This week's family Bible story is the parable of the Great Supper, Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. It is the gospel reading for the second Sunday after Trinity. Our devotion today will use the daily prayer for early evening in Lutheran service book, page 297, and the reading, Luke 14, 15 through 24, the parable of the Great Supper. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let my prayer rise before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Joyous light of glory of the immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ, we have come to the setting of the sun and we look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. Jesus told the parable of the Great Supper following a discussion with the Pharisees about how they only invited their feasts to their feasts those who could repay them. He condemned their Pharisaical works righteousness by calling them to invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Luke 14, 13, and 14. The parable of the Great Supper teaches us that the call of the gospel to faith in Christ is a call of grace and not based on human merits or works. We read Luke 14, 15 through 24. Now when one of those who sat at the table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then Jesus said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
So in response to hearing how they should invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind to their feasts, what did one of those who heard Jesus say? Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Is this parable of the great supper about the Lord's Supper? Or is it about the call to salvation in Christ? And I think it would be unwise to categorize it as one or the other, but rather a situation of both and. Who is the bread of the kingdom of God? Throughout scripture, it is made clear that Christ is the bread of life. So to eat bread in the kingdom of God is to receive trust and cling to Christ who comes to us in his word and in the sacrament of the altar. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, Jesus said, shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. Notice how the parable emphasizes grace. And the call of the gospel, the invitation to faith in Jesus is a call of grace. Who is this certain man who gave a great supper? We should think of God the Father who sent his only begotten Son into the world. What is the invitation to the supper? It is the call of the gospel to believe in Jesus, which means that this call to the great supper, it's the great supper or feast or fellowship of salvation. So it begins with the call of the gospel, the invitation. Then you're brought to the waters of holy baptism. You're taught in catechesis whatsoever things Christ has commanded. You confess your sins, you receive absolution, and it culminates in the ongoing celebration of the Feast of Salvation in the Lord's Supper. So the invitation is the call of the gospel to faith in Christ. What is the supper? Don't narrowly focus only on the Lord's Supper, but rather the entirety of the gift of salvation in Christ that we do not deserve and that we cannot earn. Again, see Christ as the bread of life he who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst, which means we are drawn by the invitation to baptism, to catechesis, to absolution, and to the supper where we partake of uh, the great supper, the great Savior, the one who is the bread of life. So how do we partake? By hearing Christ's word, by partaking of Christ's body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Now, what is proclaimed in the invitation that shows that forgiveness of sins, life and salvation have been fully accomplished and prepared for us in Christ without any contribution on our part? This wonderful phrase, come, there's the call of the gospel, the invitation, for all things are now ready. We should think of Jesus upon the cross. It is finished. Jesus has done it all. He has accomplished the salvation of the world for us and he extends that invitation to us by grace. Now there are three categories, if you will, in the parable of those who were invited who then made excuses. Uh, the first to be invited to the great supper of salvation in Christ, one might consider to be the Jews, including the works righteous Pharisees to whom Jesus uh, was preaching. And notice what their excuse is. I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. They made excuses as to why they could not come. They rejected the invitation because they rejected Christ and did not believe in him as their savior. So I have bought a piece of ground. 
I must go and see it. The Jews misinterpreted the promise made to Abraham, I will give you the land, the promised land, about receiving the land. They believed they had earned the right to the land, the property, the real estate, but the land or the ground is really about the gift and inheritance of salvation in the promised seed of Abraham. It's not about acquiring real estate or property that you believe you have a right to. And then there's the second invitation and its rejection. I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. Here again, the Jews misinterpreted the law of Moses, those five books of Moses and its purpose. They believed that the law showed them how they could save themselves and bring about a prosperous life according to their own desires. But the five books of Moses are about Christ and the call to forsake all attempts to manipulate God by your own efforts performed by the law. The law is about Christ and the call to repentance. It is not about acquiring what our hearts desire. So what good thing should I do that I may get what I want? That is a pharisaical view of the law rather than understanding that the law tells us what is good and because of the problem of sin, it is calling us to repentance, to forsake ourselves and anything, any work of our own that we might otherwise trust in. Now the third excuse, what does it represent? I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. The Pharisees here misinterpreted the gift of a wife in marriage, marriage and family, is about living in Christ and passing on his love and salvation to the next generation. It is not about serving the appetites and desires of the flesh. So you can think of a life represented apart from any reference to God, any faith in him, any reception of his good gifts. So I might ask the question, what verb in each of these three excuses demonstrates this works righteous faith? I have bought. The Jews took Christ out of the promise made to Abraham, the gift of the law and marriage, and turned them into the ways to acquire what they desired. When you take Christ out of faith, you become self-serving, self-centered, and self-righteous. Now, how does God respond when one rejects his son and the invitation of the gospel? In the parable, he is angry when his son and the gift of salvation is rejected. What does the master command after those who made excuses rejected the invitation? Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. That is uh, the essence of the call of the grace of God indiscriminately and without partiality to all people. It is the thing that hacked people off about Jesus and especially the Pharisees. This man receives sinners and eats with them. Yes, they are the object of his love. So those depictions of being poor and maimed and lame and blind speak surely of physical conditions, but they especially are indicative of the spiritual conditions that beset us all because of the problem of sin. And what does it mean when he says, there still is room, the servants tell the master, even after all have been invited. That is a wonderful description of how the promise of grace and salvation in Christ is greater than all sinners who need his forgiveness. So the grace of God and the invitation of the gospel is even greater than the world of sinners who have lived or who ever will live. What does taking of the invitation into the streets and lanes and highways and hedges signify? Evangelism, mission work, 
how the gospel is to be preached to all people all over the world without partiality among every color of people, culture, ethnic group, nation on earth. And who will benefit from the invitation of the gospel? Who will not benefit are those who reject it in impenitence and unbelief, in self-righteousness and pride. Those who benefit, no matter who they are, the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, will benefit because it is a free gift of salvation in Jesus. The call of the gospel invites all of us to see ourselves as poor, maimed, lame, and blind sinners for whom Christ shed his blood for our forgiveness and to give us the gift of eternal life and salvation with him. The great supper of salvation begins now in this life as the repentant, baptized, faithful hear Jesus' word and receive his supper. And it continues without end in the life that is to come. The promised land, the purpose of the law, and even why we marry can only be understood and received rightly through faith in Christ Jesus. The land is not about acquiring real estate for oneself, but about receiving eternal salvation in Christ. The law is not about how we earn our salvation by our own merits, but how we are called to repentance for our sin, so that we embrace Christ, who has fulfilled the law for us, and then live by faith in love toward others. Getting married is not about fulfilling the selfish desires of our flesh, but about living in Christ and passing on his love and salvation to our wives and children. Our Heavenly Father extends the invitation of the gospel to us constantly, that we might feast eternally with him, with his Son, and in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that will never end. So what do we learn? Five points. Number one, the Great Supper represents forgiveness, eternal life, and salvation in Christ. Number two, the invitation represents the call of the gospel to faith in Christ. Number three, the excuses are all the works righteous ways that sinners try to save themselves. Number four, the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind represent all sinners for whom Christ died. And number five, we partake of the Great Supper by hearing Christ's word and by partaking of his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, by your word and spirit, teach us to believe that we have been made poor, maimed, lame, and blind by sin, so that we hear the invitation of the gospel and run with repentant faith to the great supper of Jesus' forgiveness, life, and salvation that never ends. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Again, let us pray. Lord Jesus, stay with us, for the evening is at hand and the day is past. Be our constant companion on the way. Kindle our hearts and awaken hope among us that we may recognize you as you are revealed in the scriptures and in the breaking of the bread. Grant this for your name's sake. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God.